0: PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
2: This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we come to the end of yet another week, we welcome you along to the programme. John Paul is on his own taking your calls uh, today, 1850 333 Anything you want to share with us, you can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And I want to start the programme this morning by congratulating local journalist Anne Murphy who writes for the Echo newspaper because she has just been awarded a, a Justice Media Award from the Law Society, and she has been honoured and is receiving recognition for the piece that she wrote in the Echo on sex for rent. And she did fantastic investigation work, where she went undercover uh, to find out what was going on with this story. And she, it's the the citation for the award. It showed that Anne demonstrated. True dedication to exposing wrongdoing and her investigation into landlords seeking to exploit vulnerable tenants had a powerful impact going far beyond her local area of Cork and triggering international uh, discussion and she's picked up an award for that piece and I remember we interviewed her a couple of times actually on the programme about that particular uh, story and I'd been talking to her and, and she was actually, she even said herself, in going undercover, like she was letting on, she was trying to rent the the property that this slime ball was saying. Rather than rent, uh, you kind of kind of look after me on the weekend, sort of thing. And she says she even felt really uncomfortable communicating with this guy. It was all communication was all done by text, but she said she felt really really uncomfortable doing it. But it was a fantastic piece, and it drew attention and spotlight. To something that was happening and here was happening on our own doorstep in Cork. We'd anecdotally been hearing that it had been happening in in Dublin and in other cities around the world but to discover that it was happening here in Cork as well was truly shocking so I really was thrilled to see in the paper today that Anne has picked up that award, Justice Media Award from the Law Society of uh, Ireland. Well done uh, Anne Murphy, fine, fine journalist with the uh, echo. Now Holidays. Are you going on holidays are you not going on holidays? We brought this up on the programme yesterday and we were waiting. We knew that the Cabinet were meeting and they were going to decide what was going on about travel and what restrictions would be lifted. And then, of course, Leo Varadkar made his what will be his final, I suppose, Peace to the Nation on COVID-19. Well, it's looking like it'll be his final piece uh, for a while because it's expected he won't be Taoiseach after the weekend if everything goes according to the plan for the Green Party, for Fianna Fáil and for Fine Gael. So last night, people were expecting some kind of clarity from Leo Varadkar. But I, I don't know if we got that much clarity uh, out of it. There's still a lot of uncertainty, mainly that we don't know what countries are going to be included in what the government are calling a special green list. They'll have this green list whereby if you want to go on holidays you and you go to one of the countries on the improved green list, it means that when you come home, you will not need to self-isolate for two weeks but we don't know what countries are on the green list. We do know that airlines have been selling flights for people that want to that want that to travel only yesterday we had one of our listeners saying they're going away they have a holiday booked don't know to where but they have a holiday booked they're heading away next Monday so we do know that people are already planning because restrictions are starting to be lifted from next Monday the 29th of June so people decided right I'm going to go away on my holidays but it now looks Like It will have to wait until another about two weeks. It's the 9th of July before the list of approved countries. And it'll be countries with low coronavirus rates. We've got to wait until then for it to be uh, revealed. Leo Varadkar last night said the advice for people, though, remains the same. We should not be engaging in non-essential travel. And that still stands out. Going on holidays, that is non-essential uh, travel. Leo Varadkar said that people travelling home from holidays in countries on the so-called green list, you'll be fine, you'll get off the plane, you'll be able to go about your work, you won't have to quarantine. But he said the list of countries, it'll be coordinated at EU level. But then he was specifically asked about Britain and what's going to happen with Britain. And he said the incidence of coronavirus viruses coronavirus there in Britain was still too high and if the decision was being taken now the quarantine requirements would not be removed for Britain and that's what was being speculated about yesterday that we will get the countries on the green list and there'll be countries across Europe in the main they're certainly not going to include America and the speculation is that it's not going to include Britain uh, either Uh, it, it doesn't mean that people can't travel to and from Britain but what it means is if you're coming back home are there are people from Britain coming to Ireland it would mean they would have to self-isolate for two weeks. Leave Varadkar said part of the plans to ease travel restrictions will also mean checks and controls will be stepped up at ports and airports and I think that will be welcomed by all. The passenger locator form that people fill in on arrival, that's going to go online. Uh, there will be an expanded list of essential workers who can travel to and from countries that aren't on the green list. We're waiting for all of those uh, to get uh, published and the so called air bridges is what we were calling them yesterday it looks like we're going to be referring to them as the green list now they will be with countries that have similar incidents of the virus to uh, Ireland Uh, and that list obviously would change people countries will go on the list countries will come off uh, the list the other said he couldn't say for certain that there won't be a spike in COVID-19 cases here once travel restrictions are eased and then of course he spoke about and pointed to New Zealand where New Zealand had celebrated the fact that they had eradicated coronavirus and they were one of the first countries in the world to say we are now COVID-19 free. That didn't last very long. People started travelling into the country, very low numbers and they do have very strict quarantines but some people were allowed on compassionate grounds to breach the quarantine and that has led to fresh cases emerging and all of the fresh cases that have emerged in New Zealand have all been directly linked to air travel so they did have The virus eradicated in New Zealand. People coming into the country brought the virus uh, back in. So, Nia Varadkar is saying... Saying and he's been very honest he said we will see additional outbreaks in this country and it will be directly linked to travel but then when he was speaking about Britain and what are we doing about Britain he said are we really saying that we will never allow our citizens to come home and he spoke about his sister he said I've got a sister in London he said do you think my sister will never be allowed to come home he said I don't think that's acceptable so it's not that people are going to people and we have a lot of families and only yesterday again we had some heartbreaking calls in from there was one mum in in particular whose daughter and her Grandchildren are in England, and normally they would have been over and back probably a couple of times at this at this stage in the year. But she she's missed out on a little one's second birthday. Really missing her daughter. Her daughter is really missing her mother. And you know, worried about these two weeks quarantine. She works. She doesn't have a lot of time off. So if she was to go to Britain and do her two weeks holidays, she'd have to self isolate when she when she would come home. That would be probably her whole holiday entitlements for the year gone. So you know, it won't be practical for people. If they, if they have to self-isolate on returning. But until Britain, I think, get a handle on their COVID-19 figures, I think the quarantine is going to remain in uh, place. Now, the Cabinet also last night agreed that an exemption is going to be developed on restrictions on people that can gather indoors for churches, for masses and for other religious gatherings. I mean, w- there's been a call since we were told that 50 people would be allowed to gather indoors from next Monday, and that was going to include churches. There's been a huge outpouring from churches saying, we've got very large churches. Honest to God, we can take far more than 50. So, Lea said, at the moment, we are only allowing... 50 people maximum to meet indoors from next Monday. Then That will go to 100 on the 20th of July. However, he said a specific protocol is now going to be worked out with churches and religious bodies to allow more people to attend religious ceremonies. And then he said it'll be, in inverted commas, policed by the religious organisations themselves. I think that's just going to be so difficult. As somebody said when we were speaking with uh, Father Tim Hazelwood on the programme you know, is the priest going to be on the altar counting the number of people that have come into the church and when they've reached whatever the capacity, if one more person comes in, does the priest have to stop down from mass to say, sorry you can't come in, we're we're at our capacity or will they have a steward at the door, locking the door it's going to be really, really difficult to think for religious organisations to police the number of people in their uh, churches. But Leo, Leo basically said yesterday the 50 rule wasn't going to work, and they have to acknowledge that we have very large churches that can accommodate far more than 50 even with the two metre social distancing. And then face masks, as again we predicted yesterday, face masks were going to be discussed at cabinet level. And as Simon Harris said, the hope was that the government would be in a position to introduce regulations providing for the mandatory use on public transport. And that's going to be done in the next seven to ten days. So it isn't mandatory yet. It is advisable if you're travelling on any public transport to please wear some kind of a face covering but in seven to ten days that rule is going to be mandatory. We also are hearing that there's going to be sanctions for non-compliance. Does that mean people are going to be fined? He said, I'm not yet in a position to give detail on how how the, how the it's going to work, or in particular issues around enforcement, How, like who is going to enforce it, who's going to police it. Is it going to be the bus driver as you get onto the bus? If you show that you don't have a face mask, will you be told get off the bus you 're not uh, allowed on it. Will they have inspectors walking up and down the trains to see who 's wearing a face mask and who 's not What kind of fines are they going to issue I know in in it's in a lot of countries it is mandatory on public transport. We're not the first country to go down this route but what is happening is there is somebody on, is the bus or the train before you get on telling you you can't get on if you don't have the face mask uh, with you. That's how it's done in other countries. How it's going to be policed here, I don't know and what kind of fines are they going to, when, when he says... The, the for, there will be sanctions for non-compliance do we take it that that means that there will be a fine or does it just mean that the person won't be allowed to get on the bus or the uh, train Simon Harris said the government hasn't given any consideration by the way to providing, to providing the face coverings it'll be up to individual people to get their own uh, face uh, covering he also was saying you shouldn't be waiting you should be if you're Going on public transport today or across the weekend or within the next 10 days before it becomes law, he's saying you should still be wearing it. He said, You don't, you just need to get yourself a face covering. He says, We're not talking about a medical. Face mask. He went on to talk about you can make your own one at home. They're very good. They're simple to make. There's videos online. You can go to the Department of Health website. They've got videos and instructions there. And he says people should just start getting into the habit of carrying a face mask with them at all times. He also said the use of face masks is under review when asked about the prospect of them being mandatory in supermarkets. Because, again, people are asked to wear them in enclosed spaces like supermarkets but very few people are wearing them in supermarkets and I think until they bite the bullet and decide to make it mandatory, you are going to have people who will wear them but you also well this is not law you're, not going, you're going to have people saying well I, I don't there's no law there stating that I have to wear them and of course whenever we mention face masks we then get people who can't for whatever reason wear a face mask and I've just seen a text in from Carol to say Patricia my parents will be using the bus next month they both need to go to hospital appointments in Cork City they will not be able to wear a face mask on the bus for a two hour bus journey as they have health issues Says uh, Carol. Now, anyone with health issues, obviously, when the legislation comes out, a case like Carol's parents is going to have to be covered. And we know that there are people with health issues who can't wear, for whatever reason, can't wear uh, face masks. We'll have to wait for the legislation to see how it's going to be dealt with. I'm assuming what they're going to ask people to do is you're going to have to go to your GP or your hospital consultant and get some kind of a letter, some kind of a note to state. This is the reason that I don't have to wear a face mask on the bus or the train and you're going to have to have, have that with you at all times to show to an inspector or to the bus driver as to why you're not wearing a face mask. But can I just suggest to people who have difficulty because of breathing issues think when they put a face mask on they can't breathe properly. I wonder would those people consider the face shield. Now I've had a letter in this morning from Anglesburg, just outside of Limerick from uh, a listener asking if I could give Margaret, sorry Margaret I've just seen a handwritten letter just seen you put your name on it, thank you Margaret um, asking if to give clarity on something that we mentioned because we spoke about this when we were talking with Father Tim Father Tim was saying he would be, the priests would be using the face visors when giving out communion and that led me to say those face visors are great for people who have breathing issues and can't wear a face mask and from the minute we've mentioned it we started getting calls and texts in and Margaret has written to us Manglesburg, saying where do you actually purchase uh, one of them. Uh, You can get them, um, and I'm not saying all, but a lot of chemist shops stock them. They're the plastic face visors and you can clean them yourself at home. They're reusable. They're terrific. And I know yesterday... Towards the close of the programme we started talking about them again and people were saying where do you actually buy them and, and I mentioned a chemist and straight away somebody came on and said uh, that some of the chemist shops in Mallow certainly have them and they're I think around 7 euros seven They're the ones, they're the visor or face shields they're called as well. It's like it's a band that goes across the top of your head and then the plastic visor comes down in front of you and it protects your eyes your nose and your mouth and you certainly are well able to breathe uh, using them as well so maybe people who want to abide by all the rules and the regulations but for whatever reason feel uncomfortable with the face mask, be it like Carol's parents' health issues and they can't breathe properly or someone, do you remember last week contacted us, they get panic attacks. If they have something, you know, pressed up against their mouth and across their face, they wouldn't like them. Maybe you would consider popping to the chemist and getting one of these face visors. As I say, that's, I don't know if they're available anywhere else, but certainly they're available in most chemist shops Around the €7, €7 euro, uh, mark if you want to go along and uh, uh, get one of those instead. 18.50, 333, 103. Joan says, hi Patricia, I was in a busy shop yesterday. I was the only one wearing a face mask, not one other person was wearing one. I actually felt awkward. And you see, I think that's the problem. Thank you, uh, Joan, for that. I think that's the problem. John Paul, we were talking about this in the office as well before we came on air and John Paul was saying when he goes into the supermarket uh, he wears, he puts on his face mask and he said he has been in supermarkets where like Joan he's realised he's the only person wearing the face mask and he said he can see people looking at him a bit funny as if, is there something wrong with you because you're wearing a face mask because of course we know we wear face masks to protect other people rather than to protect uh, ourselves and it's And that's wrong if people are going to the bother of wearing face masks and they're feeling slightly awkward about it because nobody else uh, is wearing them. And there was a stat came out yesterday. If you have two people chatting to each other, both wearing face masks, they reduce the chance of picking, if one or the other has COVID-19, they reduce the chance of picking up COVID-19 by 99%. And then there's anything else that is giving us that high a percentage. So, you know, but do... Do the government need to bite the bullet on this one? Do we need the government to come out and say, make face masks mandatory? We're going to see a huge increase in people wearing face masks on public transport because it will be mandatory and because there will be sanctions in place. Do the government now need to go one step further and say, right, when you're out in public, when you're out walking on the street and when you go inside into any shops, cafes, don't know if we can say it on cafes and restaurants because you're going to need to take your mask off to eat, Well, maybe up to the point where your food arrives. Do they need to bite the bullet and say that there's evidence there that wearing masks will reduce COVID-19? Do they need to make it mandatory? How would you feel about it if the government decided in 10 days time when they make it mandatory on all public transport you can't get on public transport unless you're wearing a face covering or you have a letter from a doctor saying why you can't wear one should they go the step further and put it across all public every time you're outside your house you need to wear a face mask your thoughts welcomed on that by the way I'm assuming Liverpool supporters might have a glass of red red wine or maybe a raise a pint uh, this weekend all at home social distancing uh, of course if you are a Liverpool fan can we send our heartiest congratulations to each and every uh, one of you no doubt there will be big celebrations of a different kind I imagine this weekend okay on facials hi uh, Patricia regarding facials I've seen them advertised you can buy 10 for 55 euro from Acme Blinds you can order them online or over the phone. Someone else says, hi Patricia, I got one of those visors in the Euro store in Mallow on Wednesday for €5. Euro. And Tass Brian in Formoy have also selling those vi- visors for 9 So they are, so what people are saying, they are widely uh, available. And I think just for people who, for whatever reason, don't like the face coverings, don't like the face masks, and it causes panic attacks or causes breathing problems. Maybe the visor uh, is the way to uh, go. And Jill says, morning to you, Patricia, on the subject of face masks. Don't be talking. Try wearing one when you get a hot flush. <laughs> oh, and by the way, says Jill, the gov- on the government website, they have a COVID-19 map where you enter your postcode and you can see the cases in your area that have been reported, you can actually see them from anywhere in the country, in any townland, says Jill, I shall take a look at that. I haven't seen, I haven't come across that map before. And of course, when you're looking at figures like that, they're not the active cases. That would be the number of cases that have been confirmed in that area. Because last week, I spoke about that figures had been released on the numbers of cases since the beginning of March, and it was broken down by the different electoral areas. It was the data issued by the Health Protection Surveillance Centre, and we were and the data is, is broken down by electoral uh, divisions right across Cork City and County. And I was calling out the different cases and the different numbers of cases of COVID-19 positive and I see actually in today's examiner because we had a number of people ringing up saying would you tell me again how many cases were identified in Vermoy how many were in Mayfield how many did you say were in Blackpool so if you get today's Irish examiner on the page 2 it actually gives the list that I was talking about yesterday it's broken down into all of the electoral divisions in Cork City and the electoral areas across Cork County let me just for example in the city highest number of cases were in Bishopstown in total They've had 59 uh, cases, followed by Ballincolic. They've had 57 COVID 19 positive cases. Douglas had 36. Fair Hill and Farron Ferris, 22. And then Toker and Ballinlock both had 10. And then all of the rest of the electoral areas are in single digit figures. Then when you look to the county, Fermoy is the one that really stands out. 192 cases across the electoral divisions in Fermoy, followed by Kilty with 54. Then McCroom had 45, Carrie Galine had 32 and Mallow had 31. So that's actually, as I say, if you want to take a look at that, because I know people were certainly very interested in that uh, last week when I read out those numbers. They're in the examiner uh, today and the examiner also touching on the story that we mentioned yesterday of no cases of COVID-19 in uh, Cork, County Cork, Cork City and County in the past week, and that was up to Monday. We were at seven days COVID nineteen free, and that's the way we want it to continue. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103.
3: Farm Sir Walter, Le C 103
2: how COVID
1: need shut in Aaron, and how the plan is to get the car is to get the car is to get the car is to get to get the car is to get be car is to get the car is to get to to Votze, ils sag antika larun egg and urs Augustus aur a latin Augustus Godini Elisa Shoppa Boogie Maso Big need a love niece minikel galunak ageske nabi lagan laverte eban agus matta kasak no snefer dagat deine idilen von savotze zehn kri lesnerelika
3: lahi olish Fondlin, our C-103. C-103 and Cork Volunteer Centre presents the second annual Cork Volunteer Awards supported by the Department of Rural and Community Development. These awards aim to celebrate and recognise remarkable people throughout Cork who selflessly give their time and talent to benefit local communities. Visit volunteercork.ie now and shine a light on your volunteers by nominating them for an award. The 2020 Cork Volunteer Awards, Friday October 9th with the Kingsley Hotel, Cork Volunteer Centre and Cork's greatest
2: Hits. C103. So many people are counting down to next Monday morning, June 29th, for the reopening of Hairdressers and Barbershops. So to chat about what going to the hairdresser will be like, especially in some of our smaller salons. I'm joined by Breda Murphy, who, along with her sister, runs Silver Scissors in Mallow. Good morning she Breeda. Oh, I the wrong button's pressed. Good morning, Breda. Good morning. Oh, I'm sorry, us. I had the wrong button pressed. You're no, welcome. You're okay. Now, are you delighted to be reopening earlier than the July date?
4: Well, I suppose we are really. You know, we needed some kind of clarity, and we needed to know where we are going because for the last couple of months, we are not sure what's after happening, and people were unsure of things. So, yeah, three weeks early, it's fine. We needed to get things done and get organised. So, like a lot of other things. When you have a time limit, you'll get things moved on.
2: Yeah, because when you when you were forced to close that time back in March, I mean, did you ever expect to be closed for the length of time you've been closed?
4: I actually told my last clients on the Thursday night, that I see them in two weeks. <laughs> and uh, I tell you, it's, it's been a long two weeks. Yeah. It's just been um, a roller coaster, really. And people are, obviously didn't have didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know that did they need an appointments, so they didn't know what the guidelines were. And like ourselves, I couldn't tell them either because we didn't have any clarity either, you know. At least now at this stage, we know and we're up and ready
2: yeah. and
4: people themselves are well aware what they need to do as well.
2: Now, traditionally hairdressers close on a Monday. Will you yeah. will you will you open on Monday?
4: Traditionally, they used to say it was bad luck to cut hair on a Monday. So <laughs> that, was, that was the reason we took our Mondays off. Now, I'm not sure about that. Um, yes, of course, we'll be open. We'll work we'll right through. I don't think days off or counting hours will be something we'll be doing for the next couple of weeks. You need, we have a backlog, obviously, to get through. And we'll just work through it.
2: Yeah, and, and, know, a, and I think that's patients. the same. I think most hairdressing salons now will open on the Monday for the foreseeable future, just as you said, to get through the backlog.
4: Yeah, even right there the bigger salons are they're going to do shift work because, you know, they would have huge amount of the stations where you have a mirror and chair. The bigger salons might have twenty of those and obviously now they'll cut down to about ten. So for them to be able to work and be a viable business, they will actually have to do shift work. So you probably have hairdressers starting at eight and finishing at four. And then you'll probably have another crew coming on at four if that's yeah. what they have to do.
2: Yeah, I've 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 seen that advertised. Some of them are going to do uh, twelve hour uh, twelve hour days. I mean, you wouldn't consider a twelve hour day, would you?
4: No, Tricia. We have a very different setup than that. Mar and I are in business now for many years, and we've kept things very personal. And you know, it depends on your output, and it depends on your staff, and every hair salon have a different setup. So for us, no, we won't have to do that. We don't have those big headaches. I didn't didn't go down that road. You know, we kept it, as I say, very personal. And it's easier for us to maintain it and it's easier for us to command it.
2: How different will a visit to the hairdresser be then on Monday?
4: That's the thing, you see. I personally, myself, and I can only talk for myself, I don't want people coming to my front door and think they're heading into a theatre. Me meeting them with, surgical mask and merely a scalpel in my hand that's not the experience I want to give our clients and neither do I want to work in that environment so I'm going to keep it as we all know there's guidelines there and we'll obviously impose those but at the same time you know Maura and I will be dressed in our summer uniform, Ian would be liking to know that and we will have our shields on we'll be obviously having gloves and we will ask our clients to have a mask as well but apart from that, you know, obviously it's not as easy to talk through the chills because they're uncomfortable. And in a salon, when you have heated dryers and when the water is warm, it's a warm environment. So it's not easy to work through that. But we will we'll do that. Chat might not be as flowing as it normally is. Then again. We always walked off a walk-in appointment, so we could have a good few here waiting. And it's a social scene here. People would chat to each other while they're waiting to be seen to. That obviously is not now. We'll only have to deal with two, maybe three the very most in the salon at the one time. So that social side will change. And, you know, people will have to make an appointment. That's the biggest change, really, for us here. It'll. It'll. It's the law. We can't change that.
2: The walk-ins. The walk-ins are gone. Yeah. Completely. And and then you have to keep a record of who was in the salon. Is it a month or something? That, that's now that's sensible though. That's to do with contact um, well, tracing.
4: That really works with your appointment book.
2: Trisha, yeah. You
4: know. You know. Everybody's booked in now, so you go back and you see who was in the salon at the time. There will be only maybe two at the most. You know. So it's easy to to trace back and that.
2: It'll be be a shame, though, if the chat is gone. That's very much part of the hairdressing experience, isn't it?
4: I would find that difficult. And and most people that I meet, I walk and they'll be stopping me and they think, how are we not going to talk? Because Maura and I, (laughs) we are known for the chat, you know, (laughs) and a bit of banter. And your day goes more pleasant and quickly when you do have that kind of fun, you know. And like our clients are people that are there for years, you know, and we've nearly on the third generation at this stage. So it's really personal and we really know our clients. And not being able to talk as much. But I think in time to come all that kind of settles down, you know. Israel, all Israel, yeah. I think there'll for be while.
2: and I think there'll be a lot of nervousness at the beginning and if we can continue to keep the numbers down, we can get to the stage in this country where we'll be COVID nineteen free. I mean that's what we need to be working towards.
4: Sure, we are. That's exactly it. You know, we see even the the queues now in town not as big, and yeah. they're not shop uh, rolled as much either. You know, people can move more freely in shops, and I think people are getting more used to it, yeah. and not as nervous. But it's new for everybody. Yeah. So we all need to adjust.
2: Yeah, this and for is. the
4: meanwhile, we'll do we'll do what we have to do.
2: This is our new. Our, this is our new uh, normal. Uh, and you won't be able to do dry cuts. No, that's another
4: big issue for people, particularly our men that come in for their quick-dry trims. Uh, yeah, all that has to change, yeah. They all have to be washed and dampened down now. But, you know, again, it's not just us saying this, it's across the board. And it's been well talked about. So at this stage, everybody's aware of what they need to do.
2: Now, there's been a lot of criticism, uh, Brenda, Breather. sorry, about um, Peter Mark's uh, chain of hairdressers uh, putting up their prices by 60 euro to fix the home dye jobs. Um, And there's an extra, it was 60 euro for the colour detox, 45 euro for the colour extend and a 45 euro for a colour restore if you did nothing uh, to your colour at all. Do you, have you any understanding of of why they would need to be putting up their prices by that much?
4: Well, obviously, I can't speak for Peter Marks, but not sounding like a politician, there is a yes, no, and for an example, um, say a a home job, and it's a bleach job, and someone used the box once, and there's orange and yellow tones after the one episode, so again, they reapply, and they might have done this three times. So this client comes in to you on Monday morning, presents their head, which is very badly damaged at this stage. And maybe sometimes the hairdresser might not say, you know, it's too damaged. It's not taking on the risk. And us as stylists, we don't have a magic wand that you could put on this product on your hair. And in 20 minutes, it's fine and it's back to normal. That doesn't happen. In a situation like that, you need judgment. You need timing. You need to be creative. And most of all, you need to be experienced. And I have actually stood over people's heads and said, do you know what? brain surgery wouldn't be as complicated as this. Because everybody's hair responds differently. Yeah. And it's a huge responsibility. You may bring it back to a certain standard and you may take another two trips to the hair salon before both clients and stylist has got the look they want. And in that case I could say, you know what, sixty euros, yeah, it was well it was well earned, you know? Yeah. But flip it then and you'd have somebody that put on a box colour they might have taken a lighter shade than they normally would. And with the sun damage, their hair toned again to kind of maybe brassy shade. And it's not—it's complicated, but not as complicated as the first client. And yes, I would think 60 euros is overpriced for that. Now, if you're asking me the question, am I actually charging for extra length of hair and all that? No, we're not. We're not doing yeah, that. And, I
2: mean, is somebody buying a box colour to cover up a bit of grey? She couldn't have done that much damage, could it? To be fair, Patricia, I and if there
4: are clients listening here today that have over time have done it because they couldn't get in or we were closed on Monday and they needed to do it themselves. They would tell you, yes, if you pick up the wrong box or if you think your shade is brown and maybe it could be in a dark blonde, you could be three shades darker than what you normally are. And therefore, you're starting a process of stripping the hair and bringing it back. And that takes, you could be talking three hours in a hair salon for that. And it takes experience to do it. So, yeah, you can go very wrong. And yes, you could be okay. But remember, a lot of them, when you're standing and timing and judging, your stylists have learned this for for me for years and years. When you buy a box color, you're following uh, 20 minutes or half an hour kind of a guideline in the back, you know? Yeah. It doesn't always be that way and it always depends on your own base colour. They depend, like when you look at the box colour, they will give you a guideline but your guideline might be all wrong at the start of that. You could be very white, you might be silver tones, you could be just going grey and all those take yeah, on everyone's different,
2: different. Everyone's different. Everyone's um, and, different. And obviously then for a lot of people, they haven't touched their hair. They've literally just, they've rocked the grey look and they've let their colours grow out, etc. So the biggest thing is going to be getting restyled and, and haircuts. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming you're going to have to spend longer with all of your clients, Breather, will you?
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think in my situation, again, I can only talk personally, I'm glad to give that client the time. They've been lying to us all our years and I won't be putting on an extra charge when I wash, cut and blow dry or anything like that. Now, you know, there is restyles and that's a different thing again. You know, if a person comes in and their hair was always being short and now they decided they want the complete restyle, well, that's a different scenario. We need to talk about that. But if they're coming in and their hair is, just a bit longer because of not being here for the last three months I won't be charging
2: extra. Well done, well done, well yeah. done. Actually I was with a group of friends of mine we met up uh, yesterday evening and, and one of my friends in particular her hair has gone really long um, and it's gorgeous. We were saying my yeah. God your hair is fabulous long. It has given people an opportunity to let their hairs grow out a little bit hasn't it? Absolutely. People
4: come in and you know after six weeks they're given up because their fringe is long and they can't, they wanted to grow it out and they can't, where now they have to. And honestly, people haven't been out or been socialising. So therefore, you know, they could go through that process without feeling, oh my God, I look terrible. Because what are you doing? Yeah. Are you walking? Are you in, your, You're garden, going in your
2: kitchen? You're going
4: Absolutely. So it's a good opportunity for some people. But are
2: you also expecting to see people who did try to cut their own hair themselves?
4: We'll have a lot of that. Absolutely, <laughs> we'll have a lot of that. Yeah, and the only thing is, you know, they're they're probably having cut in the last two to three weeks. Yeah, yeah. So whatever yeah. damage they've done, we will grow on it.
2: Well, so well we, we we were talking about that in there, and my only advice was go into a chemist and get a decent pair of hairdressing scissors. Don't be taking the scissors out of the kitchen cupboard.
4: I tell you now, Tricia. Even to go into your chemist shop <laughs> to get a good scissors, it's a total different scissors than a hairdresser's. It's. It, <laughs> okay, it I It won't t- give you that age <laughs> look, I can tell
2: you. Okay. <laughs> okay so uh, it's, somebody wants to know. John wants to know. Uh, he's been, and you mentioned it, that there's no more dry cuts anymore. He's wondering why is is that? Is that got anything to do with keeping the virus away? Do you it know? Is, yes. is it? The, yeah,
4: it is. And even there is some salons that won't allow coats in. You need to come in and not have your coat with you. The bacteria lives in your hair, obviously. Uh, oh, OK. It is, you know, so it's just another precaution. Yeah. You know, by coming come in and either for men, you know, damping them down, for ladies, we'll have to wash them because obviously it's more styling. Most men are, you know, they're kind of a razor cut. It's quick enough. But for women, you need to spend more time with the scissors and the comb on their hair. So, yes, it needs to be washed.
2: OK. Are you inundated with people looking for appointments?
4: Do you know what I have been sleeping with my appointment book? <laughs> I actually have, um, and it's the way it is, you know, we knew this was coming, and we were well prepared for it, mentally and physically. Yeah, and we can't be giving out now. We've had a uh, three months. I didn't have that for me turn to leave, <laughs>
2: so I've had three months of rest. And and Bree, someone someone said, could you ask me how long how long does she expect before she gets through all of the clients for the backlog? Is it going to take a month, two months? No,
4: no, no, not at all. Not at all. No, 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 no. I would say people ring me and we can chat about it. It depends on what you need to be done, you know, and we'll sort them out. We don't, we don't have that backlog, that you know, that you have to spend six or seven more weeks waiting for us. Not at all. Come and talk to us or give us a ring and we'll start you off. No well, problem. it's
2: all by appointment only. We can't emphasise that enough for yes. all Less for all hairdressers. Um, OK, listen, uh, Brida, yourself and Maura, we wish you the best of luck on... Um, Thank you, Tricia. It'll it'll be like going back to school, won't you, on, on the first day of September?
4: Oh, absolutely. Honestly, you know, I'm looking forward to, obviously, our clients coming in and, and starting off. But there is a bit of... Uh, anticipation about what is ahead of us but you know that's everybody you know that we're all in it together and all the hairdressers and barbers wish them all the well best on Monday
2: and we'll, all, we'll all get, work out. and we'll all get through this together as well. Listen, uh, Brie, a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for that. Thank and you, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, bye bye. That is uh, Brie the Murphy, who along with her sister, Maura runs uh, Silver Scissors in uh, Mallow. And thank you to huge numbers of people saying that those visors that we were talking about uh, for people that have problems with the face masks and don't like to have the face masks on, those visors are wildly, widely, widely uh, available. Lots of people ringing in saying that well, they've seen them on sale. The caller from Mitchellstown says that the checkouts in Super Value in Mitchellstown, they're, they're selling those visor masks. Mary in Kildallery says Thornhills in Kildallery sell the visors. Joan in Mitchellstown said she was in the square in Mitchellstown at the market on Thursday and they were selling the face visors and you they, they were also selling the fa- face masks Margaret in Middleton, said John Murphy's chemist at Riverdane in Middleton. Yeah to me if if somebody we haven't mentioned your town there and you're looking for one of those visors, just pop into your chemist shop if they don't have one. They certainly will be able to get them in for you, but they are they are as widely available now as face masks are. Whereas there was a time when you couldn't get face masks for love no money. Okay, we need to take a break. We have news at eleven on the way. We're going to talk about a plea to bus errand to allow people over the to 70 to drive school uh, buses. And we're also hearing about uh, residents in areas near the universities in Cork City still struggling with the lockdown parties.
1: C103 now brings you even more music variety.
3: variety. We've just launched a brand new radio station. C103 Anthem's. Playing the biggest songs of of, of all time. Exclusively online.
5: C103
6: Anthems.
3: To listen to C103 Anthems, download our phone app, ask your smart speaker,
2: or go to c103.ie. C103
3: Anthems. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: We were talking about the face shields uh, for people who don't like to wear the face masks and um, trying to give suggestions to people that they could go out and buy some of the, the visors instead uh, and we got lots of people telling us different chemist shops and hardware shops and discount stores that are selling them but we didn't get anyone in Moy and a list says, "You know, all, the, all the lists that we read out we didn't get anyone in, in Moy. Does anybody know of any chemist shop in the moy area that is selling the uh, face shields if so, if you bought one recently, are you listening to us in a chemist shop in Formoy or any other shop in Formoy that's selling the faced sh- the visors? Can you let us know, please, that we have a listener who is looking for one? And Ma- Mara, who got on to us yesterday about the chaffinch bird. you remember the bird that started banging on the window and was turning up every single day and was just tweeting till the cows come home? But the problem was that it was on a windowsill in the room where her husband's office who's working from home is now set up and he was just he's having a huge bunch of problems trouble doing work because his birds just won't get off the windowsill and she tried everything she'd put newspaper on the inside because she thought it was his reflection she tried playing loud opera music somebody had told her that that might work that didn't work she put plastic on the outside of the window that didn't work she was looking for help so we got inundated with people giving suggestions for Mara and her chaffinch and how to get rid of the chaff who turned up yesterday by the way with a mate so there was uh, two of them she just got back on to me to say Patricia I want to thank you and your brilliant listeners for the advice on getting rid of my pesky chaffinch. it worked we put up a CD on a string plus a stuffed teddy bear in the window there were two separate suggestions so she was covering all angles on it uh, no more pesky chaffinch. it has worked so well done to the people who helped out yesterday because we got we got a lot of calls and texts uh, on that, 1850 Now, this week, Kinsale-based Councillor Kevin Murphy brought a motion to a meeting of Cork County Council calling on bus errand to increase the age limit to allow men and women aged over 70 to drive school buses. And Kevin Murphy uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Kevin. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, how are you? I'm, well, I'm very well, thank you. How big a problem is this? Well, it's big enough because I have a number of uh,
7: bus operators in my own locality who contacted me way back along about Christmas time and uh, as you know uh, between election times and between COVID-19 and a Holy Bo- I couldn't bring the motion to the council until last week and um, I got full unanimous support for the motion uh, Bus Aeron had introduced a, a an age limit of about 67 5 or six years ago and they increased that age limit Seventy, um, and effectively that means that those bus operators cannot uh, employ anybody over seventy, just because they drive a school bus.
2: And the person can drive right up to their seventieth birthday, but then literally on that day they must stop.
7: Absolutely. And second of all, those people, the same people who are fully qualified, probably driving for fifty years. Um, fully experienced full medical cert all the driving licences and all the PV licences and the whole thing everything available they can drive a bus of any description bear a school bus
2: and we lose with it a wealth of experience and dare I say kindness by asking these drivers to retire on their 70th birthday some of these build up the most amazing relationships as well because they get to know all of the children Absolutely and totally.
7: Not alone that, but, um, you know, they, they they would understand the needs of children. They've been driving for several years. I'm talking about some of them have been driving four, five, and six years after the touring. And they can still um, they can still converse so well with the kids, to understand their needs, and uh, drop them off in exactly the same places they always did. So they're really top-class uh, drivers. And uh, parents, obviously, will the same way, you know.
2: And is it, I mean, if it is on health grounds, I mean, I'm sure drivers would agree to an annual medical, for example, if if they, if, if that was the reasoning and the thinking behind it.
7: Well, you see, this is what we don't know. And this is something which we've asked to do to explain in detail to us why these people with all those shirts, full medical shirts every year
8: um,
7: and fully passed by the doctors and the medicine the medicals and all those and they have not come back so far to tell us what the story is
2: Yeah and before people say oh, sure, everyone over 70 they should retire let younger people take the jobs there isn't yep. a lot of younger people want to do the job because it's you know it's out in the morning dropping the children to school and then it's it's almost like a, it is a part time job at the end it of the day It is part time Yeah Absolutely So it, it suits it, it can suit a lot of older people who are retired
7: it's more suitable to the people who have retired, and um, and I'm talking about well, men and women are not discriminating between either. But the age, the age limit here is discrimination, and I, I make no bones about saying that quite distinctly. These people have full backup; they have full experience. Uh, just because they are, come to seventy, sorry, we don't match you. And uh, I, and as I say, that's a, a huge deficit now in the. Um, bus transport, school transport area.
2: And we know when you talk with any of the providers for the school bus transport, they can have difficulty getting drivers.
7: They have major difficulty, and that's why I have been asked by those people. I have several in my local with 15, 20 buses, um, and there's a desperate deficit now in those um, who have to cry off this year. Uh, and anybody who is 70 or 71 years old, sorry, you can't drive a bus. You
2: can drive a bus, but you can't drive a school bus. Yeah, it's it's When I was thinking, when I knew you were coming on the programme, I, I was thinking about this yesterday. And, you know, it's a bit like everyone over 70 being asked to cocoon during lockdown. We had yep. very fit, healthy over 70s who were quite upset and in many cases rightly upset. It's, we lumped everybody in together and it's, it's wrong to judge everyone by a number. I mean, and that's what we're doing.
7: That's exactly right. That's exactly right, and uh, I I, I will not stand idly by until I get a response back from Air and to see why they've introduced this age limit. Uh, I think, as I said here already, it is total discrimination. Um, and um, if it's if it were medical, if it were we uh, you know sight or, or 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 we'll say ill health, whatever the case may be, you would say something. But just justice. Caught, like a yearly team across a person will say 70 years old goodbye
2: yeah it's, it's good it, do, it does seem very and and particularly when you say they're entitled to drive other buses but they just can't drive a school bus keep us informed yeah. I would be very interested to hear uh, what, to what, what bus but, and while I have you on the line you yes. there's new traffic management plans for Kinsale
7: we have yes um, we had um, I suppose this is something which is to improve the lot of all local towns um, and this has been asked for a number of years now for, 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 for sake for the new traffic manager we'll improve that again um, we have loading bays five new loading bays installed this morning we have a, a delivery of goods and services for cancel from 7 to 10 in the morning and then the loading bays become available after that for all the traffic and um, there are five new loading bays in different areas of Kinsale, spread widely through the town uh, and it gives all the truckers an opportunity to park there from seven to ten. Uh, and any truck that we be parked there longer that work obviously they will be ticketed. Okay. So okay. That's number one and, and this is on top of street closures which are coming on board from the 29th of June which is uh, next, next week. Next Monday. Yeah. Um. And some streets will be closed and more streets, uh, like a main street, will be closed on Sunday. Every, day, every Sunday for the next uh, three months to allow people to browse, have a cup of coffee, a couple of tables out uh, and uh, in, introduce them to the town and browse around the businesses.
2: And how is Kinsale doing as we ease out Kinsale of... is, is coming
7: back. Is it? Good. Um, good. It's coming back. It's, um, it's, it has been on its knees, as you know, because of the fact that the whole place is closed down and you could... Score a score of bowls to Kinsale coming one stage, uh, but now people are, are are coming back into and they're enjoying the, the the walkabouts and that kind of stuff now as well. So it is coming back and, and you're the, very the you're
2: them. very tourist dependent. We are,
7: and yeah. we try to. That, that's Kinsale is a tourist town and it's a gorgeous town as you know very well
2: yeah it's a great and spot it
7: around, it's absolutely beautiful
2: yeah and i know we've been encouraging people to staycation um and you know and Kinsale is an obvious place for for people to go
7: it's very obvious and of course uh, it is on the tourist route of the of the um, the Atlantic way well, yeah. and they are 600 and uh, the the last few weeks have been extraordinarily good with, with with temperatures high going to Garrison and going uh, further afield, Castle Park and Wales. So people, we love to see them coming in. But the other side of that as well, uh, Patricia, is that Kinsale has always been very welcoming and it's always that we have a total unanimity inside Kinsale in relation to what we want to do. That's the main thing. And I think that's very important in any town.
2: OK, so you yeah. just want people now to row in and uh, the delivery drivers in particular to abide yeah. by uh, the new rules. OK, and just very, very finally, uh, we should about 6, 7 o'clock uh, today find out what if we're going to have a new government formation uh, this weekend. Did I read in the paper you voted no to the programme for government? I
7: did. I, did. Uh, I have been, I have been sort of to the front for a sort of long, long time and uh, I am not happy... It was certainly because part of the role uh, contingent uh, with the Greens in place, number one, and also uh, the party joining Fianna Fáil because we certainly are the third party in line. Remember Sinn Féin won, and, uh, won the highest uh, highest number of votes? the came second, we came third. And there was no one on us to go to government in the first place, uh, and I think this could be the relation of the party. And, and, wow. and I'm and I'm completely concerned about this. i still of the opinion that it's a wrong move, uh, and I still stick by what it is. I did. I voted no. So but did uh, anyway, did you
2: did you vote? But, so so are you saying you voted rather than voting no to the program for government? You voted no to who they were going into government with. Yes. Did was, you, but with but did you look at the program for government? Uh, I did. And I did, you? and I went through it. And I
7: can't, to be quite honest, uh, this is. We'll say this is airbrushed for for acceptance as far as I'm concerned. But my belief is that our voting pattern, our voting sort of, or college—what is the college voting uh, yeah. method we have for for doing—is is quite uh, what do you call it lopsided towards a win by the party anywhere.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
7: Uh, as you know yourself, the, the would you the, would you
2: prefer if you were able to vote the way the Greens are able to vote, where it, it's would, one one member one vote, and you yes. need to have two thirds to get it passed? That's democracy yes. in a party.
7: Well, it is democracy, and uh, and the other side of it is we could have a different method. Now we just passed before years ago at the Nordic, um and I, I was a totally opposed at to that time as well. Um but uh, in the meantime, uh, Patricia, it's not an easy one for us now as such being the smallest party because normally the smallest party gets a boot in the backside uh, when the whole thing is over and uh and, and we could we could lose more seats than we gained.
2: Okay. All right. Well, we'll know more uh, this afternoon for sure. Uh, Later uh, this evening. Okay. Listen, we leave it there, Kevin. Listen, thank you for that. And I know you've you've uh, delayed going into a meeting, so we appreciate that. And uh, DAH team
7: of the county council today, uh, and it's great to see It's great to see a full contingent back out today, uh, voting for a mayor and deputy.
2: Okay, and that will be announced later.
7: And I just yesterday we had a DAH of the municipal district of Kinsale. I have been elected the chair again.
2: Well well done. Congratulations, and, uh,
7: Sean O'Donoghue uh, from Bandon is elected deputy.
2: Who we had on yesterday so, on the programme, funnily enough. OK, yes, we'll leave enough. it there, Kevin. Listen, thank you for so, that. You're very welcome. Thanks, and thanks for joining Bye us. Now. So that is uh, Kinsale Councillor uh, Kevin Murphy. 18.50 Can I move on to the uh, topic of staycationing? There is a WhatsApp in from Michael that says, Patricia, people of Ireland should be patriotic and holiday in Ireland this year above all. God knows hotels, B&B's and everyone involved in the hospitality industry need our support. Irish people should not turn their backs on them in their time of need. We should help out our nation before we spread our wings. We should not put our people's lives at risk. Ryanair, Aer Lingus and other airlines and ferries couldn't give two hoots. They're only interested in selling holidays and putting planes in the sky to make money for their shareholders. They're not worried about people lying on a hospital bed fighting for their lives with COVID-19 and the frontline staff those great warriors who are are also put in great danger we can all become great heroes by staying at home and keeping COVID-19 out and not bringing it back in with us if we fly overseas you don't have to be a Fine Gael supporter to recognise that Leo Varadkar Simon Harris and the entire government have done heroic work throughout COVID-19 after all they were only a caretaker government and they went above and beyond and brought the country to safety for all our sakes please holiday in Ireland stay at home and stay safe. OK, that's a WhatsApp in from Michael. Thank you for that, Michael. But David has contacted us on this whole staycation uh, issue. Good morning to you, David. Good morning. David, Good morning. Uh, well, David, while you'd love to be patriotic, as Michael says, and staycation, you're com- you're, you're you're foreseeing a problem about being patriotic and staycationing.
8: Well, well yeah, I, I certainly am. But just just before I make the point for you, it's, um, it's uh, I, I just want to, you were talking last night about a um, lady and I think you said she had a lovely radio voice. Yeah. And you mentioned the word velvet, she had a velvet voice. Yeah. Well, you. I, I think you're one, doesn't there's a uh, certain amount of people that you can count on maybe one hand or maybe two hands that have that. It's definitely unique radio voice and you're certainly one of them. Ah. Oh.
2: I was did know what you were coming out with there. Thank you for that. That's very kind of you. Very kind. Okay, staycationing. No. What? What's the problem with staying on well, holidays I, here?
8: Well, the, staycation in Ireland, I, well, certainly um, I'm in favour of it. And uh, later on in the year, I'll probably, maybe uh, September, we'll go around maybe up to the west coast of Ireland or west Cork or, or some place. I don't know yet. Okay. But my point is, there was um, there was an article and uh, last week's evening echo uh, a journalist called Trevor Lassen, and he was talking about that, staycation in Ireland. And he said he inquired in Killarney, hotels in Killarney, for a week for two people. And his prices were um, ranging from 900 to 1,500 for room only. That did not include breakfast. So okay. 1,500 euro for a week is 215 euros a night.
2: Without breakfast?
8: No, I can I can understand a hotel charging two hundred euros a night without breakfast if you just go on to Kalani for a night.
2: Yeah, which we've and all you we, we've all week, paid. You,
8: you're just staying for a week, yeah. you know. You get cheaper, to wait, but that's still working out at two hundred fifteen without a breakfast, which is r- pretty expensive. No, and then he came along and he said, "I looked at a foreign holiday option for two people, and I picked Cyprus." And he said he selected three hotels—a three star, a four star, and a five star. And the three star was one thousand one hundred with breakfast and dinner. That was still four hundred dollars cheaper than Kalani with nothing to eat. The four star was one thousand one hundred forty-eight, and the and the five star was one thousand one hundred ninety-seven, and both included breakfast. Still far cheaper than Kalani, but no breakfast and that included flights as well so like yeah. I, think, I think if the hotels in, in Ireland and in Munster especially want the, with the situation that we're in with the pandemic want people to holiday in Ireland for the next couple of months I think they'll have to come out and just give a Yeah but
2: it. I, I, much as I'd love it David I don't think any Irish hotels could ever match those kind of low prices cost of doing business in this country is just too high they but wouldn't
8: like as you said, uh, probably um, a waiter, a barman in a hotel in Ireland. Probably maybe anything from ten, eleven euros an hour up to, well, maybe depending how many years they're working there. Whereas you go over to Portugal and Spain, I suppose they're only getting four five euros an hour.
2: But and, and I can I can even top those figures that Trevor uh, Trevor Laffin gave in the in the Echo last week. Because we had an email in this morning from uh, a listener. Um, Martin to say Hi Patricia I was going through the website, a website the other day looking for a place to go on holidays in Ireland at a reasonable price I have to say I was taken aback with the prices to say the least I honestly think it's a disgrace what they're expecting people to pay I know that they've been closed for three months and they won't get the desired business they want this summer but why should the ordinary person suffer because of that I've attached an example of what I'm talking about and ask you please to air this to give the public an idea of what some hotels are charging and it's a five star hotel in Killarney that actually I've seen other people online share as, as well and it's a price for seven nights for two adults, now they're bringing the kids with them so two adults and uh, two uh, children, so now it does include breakfast, you'll be thrilled to hear that, but the, the price is €4,500 four €4,500 for seven nights for two adults and two children
8: like well, if you divide that by seven, like I suppose I would add, um, oh, that's astronomical.
2: That's crazy. Like now, the only thing is, it is well, in, in, in its defence, like, in, in its in its defence. Okay, in its defence, if you try, it is a five-star hotel, and I suppose the thing is, would you really would would a young couple with two children? I, I suppose would they really be going to a five-star hotel? I suppose no, that, really that's no. the, that, that's the first thing. But there are obviously people that would bring their. Children, children along with them but I'm wondering how many bed nights they'll sell at that price it's, I've it's
8: got it. I, I'd imagine like a $5 hotel uh, would be like on occasions like for anniversaries or that kind of thing you know you're, you're going away for two nights with your wife or whatever
2: it uh, works out by the way at about 650 euro a night that's for the family that's what it works out at. Yeah, yeah. Now, no, okay, let's not, because I'm very conscious and very aware of how difficult this time has been for the hospitality sector and I'm the one constantly pushing about shopping locally and staycationing and all of that. There is good value out there, but you. but it, it's like when we book holidays abroad, you have to go look for it. I mean, particularly if it's a family, if you want to bring a family away, self-catering. Start looking at self-catering options. Yeah,
8: self-catering. Well, I'll just give you one example No, um, Patricia. Um, that... Uh, Maybe to particularly the elderly people what they can do. I've done this. i this like once or twice over the years, uh, or maybe more. Um. Yeah. If you write, if you wrote to a hotel to the general manager, right?
2: Yeah.
8: You pick out a hotel, and I've done this. I done it. I wrote to the, to the general manager of Ashford Castle about ten years ago.
2: That's a five star, isn't it, Ashford Castle? That's
8: right. yeah. I, I just, I just said, I said, I just have to say that uh, myself. And my wife would like to, to stay in your hotel, but you know, um. Uh, five-star hotels are pretty pricey, and should would be out of our range, really. But um, you know, it's our wedding anniversary or something coming up, or a birthday coming up, and uh, maybe you might uh, be able to just uh, give us a special price just for one or two nights. And it worked.
2: <laughs> how much? Do you know how much off you
8: got? I got two I, I tolls. I got I got it for very, 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 very cheap. <laughs> and it was and people dining alongside Who you? Of me. There was people alongside of me, Patricia dining. They were like, they were like uh, doctors and lawyers and high class people. Professional people. that were playing Four times
2: more than I was, paying. and, I was <laughs> and, the pay and pay. well, the other one I do think with hotels, um, if you can, uh, if you can go off peak and go middle yeah. of the week, don't go on the weekends. You know, the Fridays and the Saturdays are busy, and 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 all of that. But shop around, and 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 you know something. Rather than knocking everything, if people do come across good value, I'm always saying let us know, and we can pass it on because somebody's I, making I, I, the point that if they knocked the prices yeah. down, the hotels would fill up, which is which is a oh. point.
8: Yeah, and and, as, and then when I when I done that, and, I, and actually when came back from Ashford, but I was thinking about what I had done, and and you know, and and and, and uh, I said maybe if I done it again next year, and I done the following year, I wrote to uh, Francis Brennan in the Parfitt and Ken
2: Yeah,
8: and he brought me down.
2: Uh, Francis would be great though. Fra- yeah, but, Fra- no, but,
8: say, but, but I'm just
2: saying. Like, <laughs> I know it's a good it, suggestion. It's a good yeah, suggestion. Yeah, you yeah.
8: because they will, they will actually. If you write a letter to them, not email, write a, a nice letter. They will take their time, and they'll and they will give you a good offer. Yeah. Always do.
2: Yeah, yeah.
8: And it just one way. final thing. Patricia. We've been going to Carmelina for the past ten years. Okay. Every every year, to the same hotel, we meet the same couples from Cork and Cloninewallop. Everywhere, every week, every year, it's for the over fifties. fifty five.
2: Okay. And what time of the year do you go?
8: We go, the, we go for around the around the the fifth of May to around for ten nights, not for a week. Okay, not for like Ten nights is usually ideal. Yeah, and uh, we were supposed to go again this May, but it was cancelled with the pandemic. Yeah, but we were getting ten nights in a top hotel, well, a four star hotel with an actual stone uh, a swimming pool on the roof, which most hotels don't. And we had our three meals a day with full board. Buffet breakfast, buffet lunch, buffet dinner, bottle of wine with your lunch and a bottle of wine in the evening with your dinner for 10 nights, flights, taxis to the hotel and back to the airport for 750 euros.
2: 750 each?
8: Yeah, for 10 nights now like that. And that's all your meals. 10 days of three meals a day and two bottles of wine a day if you want to drink your wine.
2: That's incredible. 1,500. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. For,
8: people, for 10 nights,
2: you wouldn't get the hotel uh, here for
8: that. That's right, and we're going to that hotel for the last ten years, and that was the price this year seven fifty for ten nights. So, where in the name of God would you get better value than that?
2: You'll be back there next year for sure, and uh, it's on, David. And
8: it's, on, it's on the beach, and uh, you know it's it's ten minutes from the airport, no long drive, and it's. You know, fantastic. But so we really we have to wait another so lecture to go again. Yeah. All so.
2: right, listen. It was good talking to you. You mind yourself, thanks and uh, thanks a million. eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. I can see lots of people. I knew the minute we would start talking about hotel uh, prices, uh, it is isn't called rip off Ireland for uh, nothing. Says somebody, somebody else is saying. I know what people are talking about. Uh, hotels were always expensive in this uh, country. If they didn't charge so much, many more people would holiday uh, here. It's always been the same. Well, somebody else was saying you can't compare like with like. Hotels in Ireland are very different to hotels in mainland uh, Spain, and you certainly can't compare a five star hotel in Ireland to any hotel uh, across uh, Europe. They don't have the same standards. That's why our hotels are more expensive. 1850 333 103. Our lines are open. C103 jobs. Industrial plumbers are required for the Clonacilty area. All applicants must be fully qualified and hold a valid trade certificate, manual handling cert cert and safe pass. Digger and tractor driver required in the Fremont area. While a childminder wanted in the Clonacilty area, it's to look after two children aged three and five, three to four days a week, no weekends. And Car and Vans... Have a vacancy for a car and van driver immediate start. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
3: C103 encourages you to shop local during COVID-19.
1: Some stores can now open safely, so let's do our shopping locally. Use
3: Facebook, Instagram and Twitter to search for hashtag shop local and check to see what Cork businesses are now open. Check to see
6: what Cork businesses are now open. It's a sign of the time.
3: Get everything you need from toys to toilet roll and groceries to gardening. Support your neighbours, friends and communities and shop local.
6: It's a sign of the time.
3: Supported by McCarthy Insurance Group. A Cork family business looking after you in this time of need. C-M-I-G Shop local with C-103. This is the Cork Today replay
2: on C-103. And on holidaying and staycationing and Michael who had said we all need to be patriotic and support the hospitality industry, a listener said, Well I'd love to be patriotic, but I also have to be realistic. I was checking two weeks ago. I needed to stay in a B and B the price of a B and B in Kerry no breakfast I was told because of COVID-19 now that doesn't make any sense to me Don't please don't say the B&B's are trying to get out of giving breakfasts in some areas due to COVID-19. Anyway uh, that's what was on, on offer so to stay in the B&B without a breakfast they were going to charge €90 euro. let's get real says this uh, texter. Thank you for that to 0862 103 103 Now I just want to move to another issue because the Magazine Road Residents and the Surrounding Areas Association has welcomed the decision of the Gardaí Cork City Council and the HSE to contact 40 landlords who together have 200 properties in the area regarding the spate of COVID-19 lockdown parties. Joining me is Aidan Cahill who is Secretary of the Local Residents Association. Good morning to you Aidan. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you, you I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, I have s- I've much. spoken with Catherine Clancy, a spokesperson for your group uh, before yeah. in the programme and it's a couple of weeks now since I spoke with Catherine. Has <laughs> there been any improvement in the situation? Not.
5: To be honest with you, Patricia, we're now into the fifth week of house parties, OK? And I have to say, every time we think that something good is happening, we're back again, back to the same old story. Like, I woke up this morning with 10, 15 messages on my phone to say 2 o'clock at this house, 5 o'clock at this house, 4 o'clock at this house, the guards attending, emptying out houses. Um, sometimes they refuse to open the doors to the guardy and the guards... Like, it's just... There seems to be no end whatsoever to all of this, you know? And, like, they're not... They're not kids. They're 18-year-olds plus, you know? They need to take some responsibility for their behaviour like we can blame everybody we can blame landlords we can blame UCC and there are issues with both I mean landlords a lot of landlords have actually responded positively to us Great but there would be a small cohort of landlords and it's 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 their properties all the time that seem to crop up and we got And what are you saying
2: those landlords as long as they get their rent they don't really care what's going on behind closed doors
5: That's all yeah I mean we House party starts at, I don't know, seven or eight o'clock in the evening and it goes on until four or five in the morning. Generally, what happens is that a resident wakes up, can't sleep. So he'll ring the, the landlord, doesn't get any answer. So then he has to ring the guards. So what's happened then, we got so frustrated last week that we decided, you know, in a small group of us, we didn't, we didn't advertise it within the whole group. As a small group of us were just do a silent vigil outside one particular landlord's house whose house Houses repeatedly r- offend with regard to house parties, and to be honest, with you, we were out of our comfort zone at that house. We like it's not the type of thing we do. And we're no, not, did you we're did not, you get
2: to talk to that landlord?
5: No, no, he just refuses to engage. We met with this landlord back on the twenty fourth of October, and he refused to accept any responsibility for what happens in his properties. He blamed UCC and the pubs. And now I would say. Well, the pubs are closed, UCC is closed.
2: So, who are you blaming now?
5: So, who are you blaming now? No, they have, like, UCC certainly have having big responsibility um, to what's happening as well because this area is seen by the younger population as a party area, despite residents of all ages living here. Um, and that's probably be- because of all the celebratory weeks that are run under, I won't say run by UCC, but run under the auspices of their students it what like
2: freshers week rag freshers week. week and yeah.
5: rag week and christmas week and whatever and it has built up a reputation as you can do what you want and there's no repercussions so
2: and of course they're all away from home there's no mammy or daddy watching them
5: yeah and they're actually being dropped off by their parents in here and given hugs and kisses and told, Johnny enjoy yourself you know yeah, um, but you see
2: the parents have no idea what's going on Johnny, um, Johnny is telling mammy I was in bed at 11 last night
5: Absolutely, absolutely, and like it is, It like we have now started logging all our calls, and um, we've started logging our calls to the landlords, and we started logging our calls to the gardy, And we've actually, we have to be honest with you, know, Patricia, one of the good things that has come out of this is that it's made us into a much, much stronger community. We're now all looking out for one another, Great. we have a lot more people. Helping, we have people logging information. We have other people getting information on landlords, their details, all the properties in the area, what properties are the troublesome properties, and like we will proceed. Unfortunately, it's, it's, it's a long route. It, you're talking maybe looking at legal ways of, of of stopping these, and you're also looking at maybe going to the PRTB and. Other government agencies, you know, maybe Revenue. We haven't looked that far ahead yet, but we are collating loads of information and documentation. But to be honest with you, like, we also need new legislation. Like, a lot of the houses in the area are two or three-bedroomed residential properties. Mm. And these are all being purchased by landlords and being converted into seven and eight and nine and more bedrooms. They build these extensions into the back garden and they have the planning laws off to a tee. They have, you know, 50 square metres at the back, which allows them to build on. And these houses can never be turned back into residential properties. And we really think City Council need to change their bylaws that prevents residential properties being converted into student accommodation. Like, there are a lot of new student accommodation buildings going up, these purpose-built student accommodations, or PBSAs, as they're called. They're, you know, three and 400-bed um, apartment buildings. That blocks. we
2: have enough of them, so leave their well, houses in residential areas yeah, for families. Yeah, because, yeah. And, because, Aidan, you, you live all year round in, you know, with, with students when college is open. Is this normally the summertime? Is this normally the quiet time?
5: Oh yeah, because like, I mean, those our, houses
2: are normally empty.
5: Yeah, our summer has been stolen this year. To be honest with you, you know, like summer was our break, e- even in terms of things like parking, quietness. You know, we enjoyed our summer because nobody was around. Yeah, <laughs> and
2: know? it's been it's been and ruined. It's, it's been oh, it's and. Ruined. And no, when you and look it, at the it area, depends, yes. it's it's a mixed area in that you've got older people. Would you have young families in the area oh, as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You'd okay. have
5: young families, you'd have working couples. Yeah. And to be honest with you, m- most of the students living here the whole year round, again, are all okay. Like, we know we're living next near UCC. Like, there's, there's not an issue with that. It's just, it's just the behavior this summer. Like, this was an invasion and it had to be planned on social media. Like, everybody seems to know that this was the party area. And that came out of UCC and CIT celebratory weeks, like built up a reputation over the last four or five years of being a party area. Anything goes. So where do we all head to Cork? Yesterday on national news, um, there were some girls interviewed and they were all heading to Cork for the summer.
2: Just oh, stay there because I know I know I have a piece from uh, Dr Barry O'Connor he is the President yeah. of the Cork Institute of Technology and in fairness to say, he really seems to be taking this serious, just take a listen to this
9: That you've got to respect the, the local environment where you're living and it's I suppose it's difficult for students when they come in and they see thousands of other 18, 19, 20 year olds just sitting around so like we've had a number of initiatives here on CIT where we try and welcome in the, all the members of the community and come in and have coffee or whatever so the students actually didn't realize oh yeah that could be my mom or it could be my aunt or my grandmother you know and it's that they're not just living in a cocoon yeah. and the, the biggest frightener for the consequences was that either be at Garda Betting down the line the biggest issue was that they might not ever get a job because they could go down on like Garda vetting if they've been arrested and charged or something, they certainly wouldn't get a visa to the States. And the are the things that, 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 that students see as part of their, their career development. So it's happening all over the country. I've seen videos from, from Dublin and that's where it's happening. Uh, it does give Cork a bad name, I guess, but it gives, it gives this, and this is the point, it gives the students themselves a bad name, you know? And, 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 and it, it, it encourages behavior, which shouldn't be happening. But again, I think there is a, we have a bit of tolerance here, which I don't think should be like you'd see if, for Rag Week, whatever you saw, you'll see photographs of queues around the corner, uh, going into pubs at seven o'clock in the morning, and and uh, the caption read, would read, "All will Behaved. Give me a break, like uh, going for a drink at seven o'clock in the morning. That that should not be categorized as good behaviour. But I think there's a tolerance there within the society as well, which shouldn't be happening. You know, I mean, there are mechanisms there to sort this out. It doesn't matter rest in arrest charge. You know, if any of us here stepped out of line, we'd be done for it, and rightly so. You know, and it's. I think you know. If you're the unfortunate half a dozen students who, who are, who are, you know, who feel the rigors of the law for, for, for stepping out of line, well, then that, that stops it.
2: Alright, uh, i mean, in fairness to Dr Barry O'Connor he's, he, like, he's saying arrest, arrest them um, if they step out of line and almost use them then uh, others will see that someone has been arrested and it might just act as a deterrent uh, to others. Would you go that far Aidan as to
5: say? Absolutely that yeah. You would, that's yeah? The, to be honest with you know that's the first time over the last five or six years that we have heard any statement from either CIT or UCC along those lines and we would most most welcome, absolutely most welcome. Someone else we is mean,
2: saying that if any of these students are receiving a student college grant, remember they're not in college at the moment, they're all on their summer holidays, but anyway, if their name is taken by the Gardaí, they should lose their grant. They also should check how many of these students are getting the COVID-19 payment, and if they're found to be getting the payment, it should be taken off them.
5: Yeah. now to be honest with you, Patricia, if I engage in antisocial behaviour, behaviour, I get arrested and fined by the Gardaí, you know, like th- there should be no exception made for students. None of the softly, softly approach. If Johnny the carpenter down in another suburb of the city th- does what the students are doing here, he'd be arrested and fined. Like, all it is a, an example to be made of a few of them, and that would probably curb a lot of it. I also feel that, like, you know, if you, most universities abroad, if you bring. If students bring the reputation of that university into disrepute,
2: they're out in their ear.
5: They are really penalised. Yeah, yeah,
2: you know? yeah.
5: Here, they get a fine of 25 euro or 50 euro, and they're only really laughing at that, you know? That they have no. So,
2: so are you here now, Aiden, this morning, having woken up to 10 oh, messages yeah. from people from last night? Last night was Thursday. Obviously, long weekend. They've kicked it off on a Thursday, yeah. their weekend. Are you dreading what's going to happen tonight, Friday, tomorrow night, Saturday, and maybe even into Sunday night?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Like it's it's Thursday to Monday. That's they're, they're, they're Tuesday, Wednesdays maybe, or maybe are maybe are the quieter of the nights. But you know, like Thursday, we we didn't hear a whole lot early last night, and then all of a sudden, two, three, four, like we have the guards knocking on houses, taking people out, and like it's. And what do the guard
2: they, do? they do? They knock on a door and they say, "Get out!" Is it? And Get then out, yeah, and, and then the what happens? They go away. They go,
5: go away. Yeah, they're roaming, they're either roaming around the streets looking for another house party. Or when the guards are gone, they're back into the same
2: house. Like oh, okay, stay there of the guards can't you know? stay there. All right, okay. Yeah. They can't. All right, no, no. listen, no, no. We'll, we'll, we'll no doubt uh, speak again, uh, yeah. Aiden. in the meantime. Thank you for that. Yeah. And, and I would say I would say
5: now that we have a much stronger community as a result of all this, anyway. Okay. Which is the one good thing that has come out of it.
2: Okay, you know? and hopefully those young people okay. will just get a bit of sense. Listen, thanks for that. Thanks. That is uh, Aidan Carl, who is secretary of the magazine Road Residents and Surrounding Areas.
3: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: A Cork teacher has found an ingenious way to brighten up local people's lives during lockdown after turning his garden into a zoo. Uh, Chris Prout is from Crossbarry and Chris joins me. Good afternoon to you Chris. Hello Patricia. how are you? I'm very well. Now there are no real animals here, let's get that out there from the start, but they are many of them are life-size. Can you explain what you've created? So
0: basically during the lockdown I wanted to keep busy and I wanted to maybe give something back to the community so I decided to build my own zoo.
10: As you do. (laughs) um,
0: um, The zoo is completely built out of recycled materials that I found in the garden. Like what? For for instance, um, the giraffe I built is pretty much life-size but I have an old oil barrel, a long pipe and flower pots to make his head. Okay.
2: And how many other animals do you have?
0: We have about six. 14 altogether, and today I'm working on a hippo to add to the garden as well.
2: And I believe you have real animal sounds.
0: Well, yeah, during the week, uh, about two weeks ago now, we decided that we were going to add in a speaker to make it more realistic. Since there were so many people calling, I said I wanted to maybe up it up the game a small bit. So I got a speaker now playing in the background so you can hear all the different animals and it just gives that nice atmosphere really when people call to see it.
2: Have you been surprised by the reaction, Chris?
0: I have because at the start it was just the local people, and I wanted to just allow them to get involved by naming the animals and stuff like that. But then more people start turning up, and now it's constant cars just stopping and staring and taking pictures and all that. So it's, I didn't expect it really.
2: And do you have do you, would you the way people go to the zoo and then they'll return to the zoo? They'll come back a second and a third time. Are you getting people coming back? Oh, well, there's
0: loads of people coming back. They all come back to see what the new animal is or <laughs> like what names they got picked and all that. So, yeah, there's people constantly coming back.
2: So tell Uh, me, tell me some of the names of some of your animals.
0: So for the draft, we have, the kids decide to call him Tiny. (laughs) Yeah, Um, (laughs) The crocodile is named Fluffy. (laughs) And the unicorn is um, Spark or Rainbow.
2: Well, of course, a unicorn. Yeah, it's a
0: unicorn. has to be.
2: And, and, And why, what made you decide to put a unicorn into your zoo, she asks? So,
0: um, on the white, uh, we have a blackboard out by the gate where they all see animals and I basically said I'm going to leave it up to kids to decide what they'd want me to add. And so many wrote down unicorn, I eventually had to give in and <laughs> give them the unicorn.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I, I no, I've seen pictures of them and they, they really are stunning and you've put fantastic work into them. How long do they take to make? Depends. Usually they only take me about
0: two or three days to finish. As long as I can find the right material. So if I can find, like, the barrel and stuff, I'm fine. But if I have to go look around the garden first, sometimes it might take an extra day or something like that.
2: But it's great that it's all recycled materials.
0: It is, yeah. And we have so much around the garden, so I have plenty to work with.
2: Oh, have you? I tell you, like, there's not many gardens would have that amount of recyclable material. What kind of a, what's going on in your house that there's so much stuff in your garden? I don't know, I just,
0: they'd be, I'm so used to them, I, like they were there since I grew up, like so it's kind of strange now that we're getting rid of them, that they're actually finally starting to disappear and it's just, so I'm kind of helping my parents that way too by cleaning up the air. So.
2: Yeah, your your parents will be absolutely thrilled um uh, with you. Um, And is Crossberry Zoo here to stay?
0: It is, I'm going to keep making them and um, people keep calling, they're enjoying it, so I just want, might as well keep going with it really. And I enjoy doing this as well, so.
2: Have you a favourite?
0: My favourite, I'd say, at the moment now, would be the line that we just put down there about two days ago.
2: what's the line called?
0: He doesn't have a name yet, the well. the boats, they're writing up the names now, so I'll have to tip there at the, the week now to see which name will go with.
2: And, and are the neighbours all thrilled? What are they saying?
0: Uh the neighbors all neighbours are actually over maybe three or four times in a day, but I think they love it, but I suppose they expect it from our family really. It's
2: what do you, was, what you you've got a history of doing these things?
0: Yeah, for um, Halloween we'd have we set up all kind of Halloween house so people get to come around and we kind of be, give them a scare show basically in our garden.
2: Or and and that, that was your parents who you, started that tradition. Yeah, my was, dad, my yeah. dad
0: does that every year and I help out. And now I'm after doing this, so I suppose they're kind of used to us doing stuff. Really, it's normal now for us.
2: You've, you didn't lick that off the ground. You picked that up off your dad, so we know yeah, we, exactly. we know we now know yeah. where it's coming from. Now yeah. I did at the start say you were you're a teacher. Where where are you teaching?
0: I was up in St. Vincent's this year. It's secondary school. Teaching what? English and geography.
2: Oh, I was wondering were you're teaching art. You should be teaching art. No, and, and have you have you? Well, you obviously. I was going to say, have you missed school? But I mean, you're you're obviously been too busy.
0: I've been keeping myself very busy. Yeah.
2: And are you back there in September?
0: I'm not sure yet the way it's going, but hopefully, I'd love
2: to be back there again. Yeah, yeah, and of course, nobody knows what way. Schools are yeah. schools are going. Okay, so so what uh, what are you working on now? What animal? Um, I'm
0: working on a hippo, and this time now the hippo's head should be able to move side to side, so it looks like the head the head's going up and down really.
2: <laughs> and did I read that you moved them around the garden as well to give so, so the children think oh god that crocodile's after wandering around the garden.
0: Yeah, at the start we just left them. I left them there. Push, but then I said after a while I said why not move them now so when the kids wake up in the morning they all come running over and they go oh the animals are after moving so they get moved around a bit
2: and I, I love your you have a kangaroo
0: a kangaroo and a joy yeah
2: and a joy <laughs> it's fantastic well done Crossbarry uh, Zoo um, and if people want to visit it's you know you, they can just come along is that the plan just come
0: along yet? Yeah. no charge just come along enjoy it
2: and they are you easy to find in Crossbarry
0: Yep, just basically, just down the road from the shop. Can't miss it really. Okay. Everyone who passes it, they notice it
2: straight away. So, all right, and so Cross Barry Zoo here to stay anyway for the foreseeable future, certainly here during uh, lockdown. Keep up your great work, Chris. Thank you, and uh, thanks for joining us on the program. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Chris Prout uh, from Cross Barry Zoo that he has invented himself. It's uh, well done. I think people have been just so imaginative during lockdown and a creative spirit coming out in people, which uh, is great. If you're heading out to the shops today, don't forget, as we encourage every week to please consider picking up a local paper. We're trying to do our bit to support local papers who uh, really have had a, a tough, tough time uh, during lockdown. Taking a look at some of the stories making some of our local papers today. Uh, the Vale Star uh, they lead with Ireland moves to the next stage of reopening and they're talking about next Monday with the move to phase three of the opening of the country from a lockdown and talking about the more freedoms that people will be able to uh, enjoy. Uh, They also on their front page have a disappointed Galbally councillor resigns from the Fianna Fáil group and this is Eddie Ryan of Galbally. He's resigned from Fianna Fáil on Limerick City and County Council and he will serve the remainder of his term as an independent councillor and you can read more about that in today's Vale Star. The Corkman newspaper just has a gorgeous gorgeous photograph of the late Hannah Sheehan who sadly passed away this week and they say tributes pour in for Ma as she was affectionately known. She was a founder member of the Malloch-Ireville Red Cross branch and uh, Hannah Sheehan was a hugely popular figure whose kindness and generosity of spirit endeared her to countless people all over the years and she's remembered on the front page of the Corkman today. And inside there's an incredible story about sisters who rescued a toddler. It's a story about uh, a, a mother and her baby and her toddler who were walking at the Atlantic pond in Cork City and thankfully there was three sisters from Clondraud who noticed that the toddler had fallen into the water. It's Denise Kelleher, her twin Sinead and her older sister Mirren. They were out for a walk by the Atlantic pool which is in, in Atlantic Pond which is in Blackpool it was a couple of weeks ago and they they, they realised about 100 yards ahead of them there was a mother who was walking alongside a toddler Now she was carrying a baby and the toddler was doing what toddlers do drifted slightly off and literally in a split second the toddler was looking in at the ducks and he toppled headfirst into the water and Sinead immediately jumped in after him. Obviously the mother's arms were full because she had the baby in and, and the sisters, our lovely picture of the sisters uh, on the in the Corkman today and more about that uh, story in today's Corkman. Also in the Corkman, the story, the ongoing saga of the Patrician Academy in Mallow. Uh, Sean Sherlock is talking about expressing his concern over the ongoing delay in securing planning permission for the refurbishment of the fire damage Patrician Academy in Mallow and can I remind you that that fire happened in July of 2016 so we're coming up to four years to the anniversary of the fire and it still hasn't been sorted out the Southern Star have uh, an inside story of residents fearful as campers crowd out local beaches and there's photographs of camper bands in front of Gary Lucas Beach Uh, they also have a lovely story about Clonakilty, uh, which is always known for its uh, the artistic community that live there and they're perfectly poised to come up with a design for new public toilets that could become almost a uh, tourist attraction, similar to the famous toilets that are in New Zealand and they say Clonakilty is set to go wild with Jungle Jacks and they also write about Shannon Vale residents who are threatening protests over leaky surge that's all in the Southern Star In the Avon Dew the long-running saga of the James Street car. Park in Mitchestown looks set to be coming to an end as senior council officials have confirmed that work is to begin on that uh, site. Uh, the Avenue front page have the tragic death of the Ballyduff native on the River Blackwater, that's the late Dermot Bulger, tragically passed away in a fishing in incident uh, earlier this uh, uh, week. And uh, also in the Avendu they have a story of Mitchelstown improving age-friendly image. And Mitchelstown has introduced new age-friendly parking spaces. They've been placed at various locations around Mitchelstown. It's part of measures to make the town more amenable to the uh, elderly. And in the Mallow Star today, they have a piece on the church reopening for Mass from next uh, Monday. And they also speak about uh, Mallow Man Martin Milan and his friends who will be doing a 20k walk this uh, Sunday, and it's for the charity My Canaan Companion and they also lead with clarity needed for the M20 motorway. Some of the stories contained in our local newspapers. Please go out and support and buy a local paper this weekend.
3: We're now in Phase 2 of the Government's Roadmap to Easing Restrictions. Employers and government organisations are developing plans for a return to on-site working by employees in light of COVID-19. So what does this mean for you getting back to work? Remote working is to continue for all workers or businesses that can currently do so. People who can work safely while maintaining a 2 metre distance from other workers, like those who work on their own, or those who work a safe distance from their colleagues, can return to work
9: Right at home.
4: Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
3: So it's important that we all stay mindful and don't become complacent. Stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at C103.ie. This
2: is the Court Today replay on c one o three. For this week's frontline diary, our senior news reporter Fiona Corker went to Bandon uh, Guard the mm. station. Fiona uh, joins me. Uh, good afternoon, to Fiona. Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, you this week you were looking at the work of the community guardie. That's right,
1: Patricia. And community guard in Bandon that I spoke to were guard the Damien White and Gard Francis Murphy, his colleague. And they were telling me about the work that they've been doing over the last couple of months. And that includes things like meals and wheels, uh, calling in on people who have been cocooning, uh, being a, a link between that person and their family, and uh, letting people know that they were okay, and, and having a chat with people when they called in as well, um, which, you know, has been very. Important to people during this lockdown, and um, you know, working with volunteers in Bandon and across the whole of West Cork, and trying to um, help people in as much as they can. And I think one of the the biggest things that Came out of this um, interview, and I suppose that came out of the uh, last couple of months, was that through this work that the Gardaí were carrying out, they found that it really helped to improve the relationships between the public and the Gardaí. I think traditionally, when somebody sees a Garda coming to their house, they fear the worst; they think it's going to be bad news, or they think you know that they've done something bad themselves. Um, And they said that you know having the guards call on a regular basis and helping out has um, built up a level of trust that you know maybe wasn't there in the past and you know they said to me that even people on the street would stop them and say we really hope that this relationship and this rapport can continue after the lockdown ceases and things get back to normal
2: and uh, Damien White in particular is a terrific guy he actually was, used to do mm-hmm. our guard the file here on the program at one stage
1: Oh, did he? he (laughs) He's a lovely man. He had um, cancer. He has had tongue cancer a year and a half ago. So he uh, was out of work sick for a while. Um, He had surgery and he had treatment and he came back to work and he said that, you know, he would be at risk um, of contracting COVID-19, very much so, do you know? But he felt that he was safe to come back to work, that his system was strong now. And, you know, I suppose it's just an example of one of the very many people who've been on the front line throughout this whole pandemic who are at risk themselves and who have put themselves forward to help others, you know, and um, he's, a, he's a lovely, lovely man. I walked through the town with him and the Francis Murphy. They brought me over to St. Michael's Community Centre when I was there and, you know, he stopped and had a chat with everyone and everyone was saying hello. So he's obviously held in high regard there in the community.
2: Yeah, and incredibly brave of him, as you say, considering he would be immune-compromised from having cancer to mm. be out, and to be out there uh, at least in the general public. Uh, well done. Okay, Fiona, thank you for that and here is thank your you. Frontline Diary. I had an underlying condition. I had cancer.
10: Um, I had tongue cancer and had an operation and had radiotherapy going back about a year and a half ago. So it was something I was very conscious of coming back to work but having looked at it I was happy that my system was fully recovered from where I was before I came back. But I still would be
1: conscious of it. Putting his own health at risk to help others is an example of the bravery shown by the emergency services during this pandemic. Garda Damien-White is one of those. He's a community Garda based in Bandon.
10: We were able to link in with home visits for those for people who needed it, uh, providing reassurance if they needed delivery of pharmacies, prescriptions, medications for those who were tattooing or self-isolating. Um, and linking in then with I suppose family members who were concerned for people and because of the travel restrictions the family members couldn't travel themselves so we stepped into that breach then by trying to bridge that gap and then be able to reassure people as to how their loved ones were.
6: By his side is Garda Francis Murphy. It's I think built up the trust there as well that people don't always look at the guards as being bad news or giving out tickets or you know there's a lot to our job that people don't see on a day-to-day basis. And it is great that we can offer the services. You know, we're probably one of the only services that operate 24 hours a day here in Bandon Garda Station, especially it's at divisional headquarters. So it's just to encourage people to ring us anytime, day or night, if they have any problems and not to be afraid to ring us. After our interview
1: at Banding the station, I accompany Gartha White and Gartha Murphy to the nearby oh, St Michael right? Centre, and that trust and along? camaraderie is there are to you? see.
10: How's oh, Dave? Taking time off with your behaviour, yeah?
1: <laughs> Gartha Murphy hopes this rapport between Garda and the
6: public can continue. This has definitely brought people closer together. Um, the amount of public that would even, you know, come to you on the street and say that this this needs to continue you know just random people coming up saying it's really brought the people together with the guardie. it's great and it's a great feeling to be able to help people in the way we did you know. I think
4: it can continue?
6: Hopefully I think it, it needs to continue you know I think it's very important for the people in general to have a good relationship with the guardie. And we rely on people when it comes to investigations and things.
1: Garda White says that while people are getting out more now, they still have an important role in protecting the community. Some of those who
10: are vulnerable are probably still
1: very nervous
10: of what might be out there and what the new normal situation is. And for some of those, what we have seen kind of a marked improvement in them with our visits, that at the very start they were somewhat... I suppose, fearful of the guards coming to their door. They wouldn't have had much interaction with us previously. Mm -hmm. But through our contact in the last few months, we have built up a relationship with them, and we've seen the great benefits of that. So we're maintaining that. And also what we're seeing is, as volunteers are going back to their normal lives and their working lives, they won't have as much time to volunteer so we have to be careful that there's not kind of a gap left in in that situation, just trying to, to manage that.
2: That's incredible work that they're doing there too. Community guards Damien White and uh, Frances Murphy speaking to our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran for her Frontline Diary. Thanks to Fiona for that and um, we look forward to joining her again next week. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you Mark. Now, you saw a movie uh, for us called Artemis Fowl. Now, were you looking forward to seeing this because it's Irish?
11: But I have to admit, yes, I was. I mean, the books have been hugely, hugely successful. They're written by Owen Coffer and they're not just beloved in Ireland, they're beloved actually throughout the world. So they are very complicated, but very entertaining kind of fantasy pieces. And people, you know, I think all around the world were desperate to see, uh, you know, what the first movie was going to be like because they expected it to be like a franchise, like uh, like Harry Potter. And Disney came on board and, and threw a lot of money at it and said, look, yes, let's go ahead and let's go make this. Uh, it was made a couple of years ago, but it was delayed and delayed and delayed. And obviously they were working and working and working on it. And what's interesting is that I watched the film, but I remember seeing a trailer for this about a year and a half ago. And I thought... I've seen things in the trailer that are not in this movie. So I went back to the original trailer and I found there were scenes and characters who are not in this movie at all. Oh. Uh, the, movie, the movie's about an, um, an hour and 35 minutes long. And I get the impression there's a three-hour movie out there. Um, Disney have just gone in and said, nope, we're taking all this stuff out and we're going to have a, a, an hour and a half movie, which normally I per- particularly would like. But if you are going to set up a big, long series, it has to be bigger, it has to be longer. Because they, most of the film, the characters actually don't talk to each other. They're too busy telling the story. And because of that, then, it's just a mess, I have to say. It's just all over the place. And Disney obviously realized that. I mean, Disney were going to release it to cinemas. Um, but with COVID-19, they decided, look, what we'll do is we'll put it on Disney+. Plus. They didn't do it with Mulan. Now, they expect Mulan to be a big hit. They didn't put Mulan on, uh, on Disney+. They decided to wait for it, which goes to show, I think, that, in fact, Disney have very little... Um, kind of faced in this movie. And it's a pity because I haven't read the books, I have to admit, but I know they are beloved by a lot of people. A lot of people are very, very disappointed uh, in this movie. Uh, directed by Kenneth Branagh, it stars a, a young boy from Dublin called uh, Ferdia Shaw, and he has been hammered on social media. I personally am not really going to go after him. He isn't that great. But part of the problem is that, is it his fault? Is it, is it the casting director's fault? Is it Richard Branagh's fault for not being able to Uh, get a performance out of him or is it the fact that uh, there's an awful lot more of him out there somewhere uh, that were cut from the film and because we're told that this uh, you know this character of artemis Feld is this incredible uh, prodigy who is the most intelligent boy in the world we don't see this at all in the film and the film never ever stops nobody sits down to talk and have conversations they just spend the whole time barking at each other kind of exposition to tell us what's going on and what's going to happen next it's all over the place and it's a terrible terrible shame and yes i was hugely hugely disappointed and further it has to be said you know does come from an acting background it's in his genes his grandfather was robert shaw yeah um who out of jaws and um that's all a big mess um uh, judy dench is in it who growls her way through this film josh gadd uh, plays this kind of haggard character. He decides also to have this kind of growling voice. And there's a scene where he and Jimmy Dench just growl at each other for a couple of minutes. And I'm sure he made an ad-lib about the fact that they both have problems with their throats. I mean, it's a mess. It's all over the place. And um, I don't know who it's for because it's too complicated for kids and it's too boring for adults.
2: And was there talks that this was going to be like the new Harry Potter?
11: That was what the idea was because there's so many books to, to kind of choose from. Uh, but the problem is, is that whoever decided to make this obviously didn't really understood the, uh, the books at all, or they just decided, look, you know, the thing is, apparently the character of... Um Artemis fell in the books. It's a bit rude, but you know, he's got a bit of an attitude. We don't see any of this, and maybe it's because Disney decided that's not the way they were going to go, and they kind of decided that they would take all of that kind of stuff out of it, and make it as family-friendly family, you know, family, family friendly as possible. Maybe Kenneth Branagh didn't understand the books. I don't know. It's uh, written here by yeah, the screenplay by Conor McPherson, who's an Irish screenplay yeah. uh, writer. And it's just all over the place. I mean, it really is. There are some nice little moments. There are you know, there's a scene where uh, Judy Dench, uh, you know, opens the door and goes, top of the bargain, so, uh, which normally would be kind of really embarrassing. But it was obviously, you know, set up to be kind of, uh, you know, c- uh, kind of a cynical, kind of, a, uh, a, a, kind of a, a scene. And as an Irish person, I didn't actually feel too bad about it. I thought it was actually quite fun. Uh, but that's the only time I smiled through the whole film. I just spent the whole time going, what am I watching? What is this all about? What is going on? It's a mess.
2: Okay and as you say you don't know who you would advise to watch it it's not obviously for a younger audience it's not for an older audience either so Mark it out of 10 Artemis Fowl Uh. (laughs) <laughs> Pass on watching that for sure. Okay Mark, thank you for that. We'll chat again next week. You're welcome. Uh, thanks uh, for uh, joining us. Just to wrap up on uh, an email into patriciac103.ie time we were talking about the wearing of face masks in shops and somebody's saying why are more shop assistants not wear, wearing them. Somebody sent in a text to say just to let you know the Michael Toomey butchers in McCroom, Bantry and Bandon. All the staff are wearing visors in all three shops. It's a pity, says this emailer, that more people don't uh, follow suit. Can I wish the best of luck to Castleton Bear Development Association? They're organising a drive in bingo at half past eight tonight at the West End. Of the pier in Castletown, there, and please ensure that you abide by COVID 19 government regulations. All the normal bingo rules will apply. There will be no break or raffle, 10 games in a jackpot, 1,400 euro up for grabs. That's the first bingo, is it? Is that the first bingo in Cork? Since we've had lockdown, bingo, can, bingo halls can reopen from Monday, by the way. That's part of the new uh, guidelines. But they'll only be allowed to have 50 inside the halls. So I don't know how that's going to affect many bingo halls. Uh, we'll see uh, from Monday if we can find out already bingo's starting back up again if you are involved in bingo that has decided to start up next week can you let us know because we have so many listeners wanting to know when is bingo coming back so many people have uh, missed it OK that's where I leave you for today we'll be back with you on Monday we'll be talking about do we have a new government or not that's all to come on Monday uh, thanks to John Paul I'm Patricia Messenger have a lovely weekend to talk Monday at 10 The Premier League is back Don't miss our special Premier League live coverage this week. Can you believe it? This Saturday, Wolves travel to Aston Villa at 12.30. That's full live Premier League match commentary this Saturday. Powered by Talksport. The Premier League is back and you're going to love it. Get it on the
11: C103 app and C103.ie